Will Simmons, Will Simmons, one, two, three, one, two, three, four. Back on the mic. Put your headphones on. Put your headphones on. You're my mom. You wish. Oh my God. Sean. Is that really you? Y'all gonna make me lose my mind. Up in here, up in here. Y'all gonna make me Can I do this again? No. I'll say something first. What's up? 366 days ago, we walked into a small broom closet with your boy Ryan Burge for the last episode of season one. And a lot of people asked when we walked out, when's the next episode? When are you doing it again? Then months, years, years, decades, eons, no word from the boys. Thought we were written off. No word from Sean. Sean was seen on a different podcast there for a while. Oh, you were moonlighting in another podcast, were you? Yeah. So we're here, actually. Quick introduction. Yes. Dr. Packy joining us today. First guest of the new season. Okay. So oh, yeah, thank you so much for joining us in the pouring rain today. Sorry for yeah, making you. Glad to you. be here. Sorry to make you walk through that. Yeah, I love to talk about quantum mechanics. So yeah, it's here good. we go. Man, we'd love that. The day before unofficial, Will. I was wondering what your plans were, Dr. Packy, for unofficial. Are you going to be hitting the bars or are you starting <laughs> off? I might have a little glass of wine before I go to sleep tonight, you know, but uh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> you were telling a story, so you live up in Urbana yeah, or Yeah, I do Champagne? Urbana, that's Chir- right. Champagne. Yeah. Champagne, there yeah. we go. Well, Urbana. So. Yeah. And there's a difference, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> and no, there's a... It's totally different, <laughs> yeah. There was a big party going outside your house today, or what was happening this morning? You know, I maybe shouldn't drop any names, but there is a fraternity <laughs> next to my uh, University of Illinois, next to my house, and my wife did see certain individuals who may well have been students drinking green beer at 8 a.m. on the porch with some cold weather and wind and rain going on. So, you know, man, responsibly, I hope. Uh, I'm sure they were very responsible. Responsible six yeah. in the morning drinking. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's that's the way to do it. Not into it myself, but there you go. Exactly. Well, I guess along those lines, Dr. Packy, what are you into? What's, how did, let's start from your childhood, I guess, if we can. Now, were you born or did you just? I was born. Okay. And then how did you get into your field now? (laughs) (laughs) From birth. Let's make this absolutely clear, especially in these days of chatbot, GPT and all that. I Mm. am in fact a human being. I was born. That's um, good to know off the bat. No, seriously. That's right. Yeah. No, I, I was born on a farm outside of Springfield. Nice. And I grew up there and um, kind of developed an interest in astronomy at that time because, you know, stars and all that sort of thing. Um, went off to college at Eastern Illinois Un- University, you may have heard hey. of it. Hey, shout out. Uh, I was a double major physics and math. I was here 73 to 77. Lived in Thomas Hall my first two years, you know, so. Thomas Hall, you ever been there, Sean? I have. Did they do the late night pizza then, or no? They did not. No. Um, and in that case, in that at that time, um, it was not a co-ed dorm. I don't think any of the dorms were co-ed at that time, but it was all men. And then Lawson and Andrews were the women's dorms, right, right outside there. Interesting. Yeah, I'm actually at Thomas Hall almost every night for that late night pizza. It's still open until like one o'clock doing pizza. That's the thing. You act like I get the food stamps, dude. Well, I have to pay for my food, Sean. Yeah, that's okay. true. Anyway. So, yeah, stargazing as a child sort yes. of had it. Is your interest, it's more in space and the, what do they call it, the final frontier? Yeah, that's it. That's right. 
No, I mean, I, I really enjoy all aspects of physics and astronomy. Um, I mean, I, I do remember at a fairly young, okay, in the very earliest days, uh, there was a story that my mother had to carry me outside at night when I was a babe in arms to see the moon before I would agree to go to sleep. And I, I think what that was was that, um, you know, I, I grew up on a farm between a lot of trees, and you don't really see things that are far away at that time. And then think about this. You know, let's say you're, you're walking along and the moon's rising, you know, in the east, say, and you're seeing it through the trees. But you can tell by the, by the, um, the parallax effect that it's really far away. You know, a nearby tree goes by you as you walk by it. And something a bit further doesn't move as fast. And I think this struck me as like a two-year-old kid that's like, there's something that's really far away. You know, this bright light in the sky, you know, and so, you know, there was that. Then, you know, flash forward to maybe early teenage years, and I'm out feeding the cows at 6 a.m. before school, you know, middle of the winter, you know, uh, pitch black. I'm seeing the stars up there, and I'm saying, you know, at some point I would like to know why those stars are where they are. And then with wisdom came uh, the, the understanding that that was the wrong question to ask where those particular stars are, there really kind of is no answer to that. I mean, you can understand uh, the processes that make stars and galaxies, but there's really no useful information to be gotten from trying to say why is Sirius at that ex particular place in the sky. You know, so, you know. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. College and studied physics and math, so. Yeah. Really quick. Yeah. With the story of you going out to feed the animals at night. In the early morning, yes. Oh, or in the early morning. Yes. Staple question here, what are some of the coolest night animals from where you're from? <laughs> I don't know. I was always asleep, you know. I mean, no, they're the same animals here. However, I would say the deer were very rare back then. I mean, I, I, you know, I lived on the farm for 18 years, and I saw a deer once the whole time. It was wow. like seeing a unicorn or something. They were so rare. That is crazy. Interesting. And now well, I see millions of them I outside know, of I know. Yeah. my yeah. apartment. So, yeah. Other than that, no. I mean, I think there were more ducks and geese, you know, during the migratory times of year, the fall and the spring. Um, you know, the skies would be really full of them a lot more than now. Um, but other than that, I think everything was pretty much the same as it is now. What were your favorite farm animals to take care of? Well, all of them, of course. Uh, uh, cattle. Um, I had a flock of seven geese. Really? And, uh, my father came up with at one point in the middle of a winter, and we're going to get the quantum mechanics here pretty soon. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, anyway, um, so at one point my you know, father appeared in the middle of winter with a cage with seven ducklings, and then he said, okay, Donnie, you know, you got, these are yours to take care of, so, you know, so I did. And what I discovered many, many years later is this, um, the concept of imprint, imprinting, so it apparently they imprinted on me, and they thought I was their mother. So, um, you know, we sort of let them go out and swim around in the ponds and such, but at night we had to get them into the barn so that nothing would eat them. And so I'd go out there and call them, and they would literally line yeah. up. And wow. And single file and <laughs> march into the, into the barn. Wow. You know, so, you know, that was... That. Hey, that's a good way to make friends, though, seriously. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. One of our best animal stories we've had on here, for sure. Jeez. Sean, are we going to get to quantum mechanics or not? Get to it already. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> but, well, okay. So, Dr. Packy, the, yes. the reason I wanted you on this podcast is because, well, it started, I guess, 
Well, it started when I was born. I think I was. But I took this class at Parkland College. It was an astronomy class. Or astro- oh, geez. Astronomy. Astronomy, mm-hmm. yes. Please. <laughs> astrology, right? No. No, no astronomy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Astrology is the stuff that Sean's into. That's I'm right. glad there's right. an expert here. Yeah. It's like you're going to have an interaction with a stranger today. That's yeah. astrology, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> well, my mind is like the, um, the pre-whatever soup after the Big Bang. So yeah. there's, no, there's no order to it right now. But anyway, <laughs> I took this class, and it, was about, it wasn't about the solar system. That was one choice. It was about the, the greater universe, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it warped my mind. And I was on some pretty strong meds at that point, but still I was like looking around and I just didn't know, I didn't know anything anymore because all these massive ideas that were just insane to me. Mm-hmm. So I guess, well, I have a lot of questions and, and I'm always reading about just quantum science and, you know, big ideas and black holes and all this stuff and be, not being in the physics field or stuff like that. It's, even when I read these articles, some of the stuff just, I cannot, I just cannot picture it in my mind, you know? And obviously we're dealing with humongous numbers and all this stuff, but I don't know. Could you speak to that a little bit about maybe how hard it is for you to just tell these ideas to other people? Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, first of all, back, back to the big bang thing. Uh, Yeah, that is a somewhat disconcerting idea. I mean, I, I think I remember at least one of my kids being somewhat upset by the idea that the universe is expanding. You know, and it, it actually upset Einstein, you know, the famous story about how he developed his equations of general relativity that govern um, the, the shape and size and evolution of the universe. Of the universe. And um, when he, you know, um, he sort of had to add an extra term in there that didn't really fit, called the cosmological constant, to allow the universe not to expand. And then just a bit later, it was discovered the universe was expanding. He was like, you know, stupid me, you know. So, you know, he didn't, he, you know, so it, it's not it's not just you. It's Einstein, too. Um, hey, we're in good company, Sean. Here we go. <laughs> we always knew we were up there. Yeah, that's now right. It's solidified. I mean, the thing is, I think that's why kind of science has to go kind of generationally. You learn your most basic ways of thinking about things. And, you know, some things are just too basic to give up. And then a new generation comes along and they think about things a little differently. So that's, yeah, yeah. that's what I think about a lot of these things I was hearing. And I don't have the math. I'm not going to do the math to come up with these results. But some of these things, I'm just as a as a sentient entity, I'm thinking like this just doesn't feel right to me. I don't know. But. Along those lines, the the Big Bang has been, I've been reading about it lately, and, and now there, there's always been people, I guess, on the fringes, we could say, that are kind of like, I don't think it was the Big Bang. And I was reading something about, and forgive me, I forget what, it, what exactly it said, but, you know, they were casting doubt on the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure this has been a thing through time where people are always trying to pick at it and stuff, but there's a lot of things with the Big Bang that we can't really explain either, right? That's right. You know, but I, I think the overall um, viewpoint or, the, you know, the overall idea that there was a Big Bang is is in, incontrovertible now. I mean, one of the earliest things that was found was the cosmic microwave background, which is the leftover radiation from the Big Bang. 
um, which has, because of the inter- expansion of the universe, it's really cooled off. It was originally at a very high temperature, but now it's it's very it's it's at a temperature of two point seven degrees Kelvin, <laughs> which like absolute zero. Yeah, you know, um, you know and so um, it all it fits in well with everything else, and then um, also the actual expansion of the universe. The fact that if you look at um, if galaxies that are far away, um, the farther away they are, the faster away from us they are moving, um, because you know the, just the entire universe is expanding and. That's a pretty basic fact. Now, if you talk about people who, you know, kind of argue with, you know, the, the existence of the Big Bang, well, you may be com- uh, familiar with this concept of clickbait. Yeah, true. Sean, right. definitely. Yeah. Now, there are questions, right? You know, um, but on the other hand, what, you know, was, it, was there a Big Bang? Are there UFOs? Aliens? Was Einstein wrong? These are all things that fit into the... It doesn't mean they're necessarily wrong. But these things are going to be really emphasized because, well, they are clickbait, you know. And so I'm, I'm you know, searching my brain as I'm thinking here about some specific objections to Big Bang. I mean, um, well, I got one, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, and this is sort of after the Big Bang, but there are the universes that, at the very beginning, that formed so fast that I believe it's hard to explain because... It takes hundreds of millions, billions of years for these stars to form or whatever. Yes. And there's, so there's no real explanation of that first. You know what? I'm sorry. I haven't really kept up on the current research in that. So I don't know it beyond the level of clickbait. But there are, I mean, this stuff was, it happened, (laughs) it happened a long time ago. And it's very hard, you know, to to look back in time, you have to look very, very far away, you know, because the light travels at the speed of light. And so to see something that happened, 10 billion years ago, you got to look 10 billion light years away. So I guess my point is that, you know, it's understandable that there are still a lots, lots of uncertainties in it. You know, yeah, and there, you know, there are other questions like, you know, um, was there anything before the Big Bang? And I think the standard answer to that was no. Um, but, you know, but that's kind of up for debate also. Um, and, uh, and then you get into the question of, well, how could there be no before? And then it gets into general relativity, yeah. will definitely, which will definitely warp your mind. Yeah, yeah. But, that's but the next podcast. the idea would be in that sense <laughs> yeah. that, um, that space and time were created at that time. So a, a, a nice analogy for, would be, you know, okay, from here we are in Buzzard Hall at Eastern Illinois University. Hey. We can go north. How far can you go north? You keep walking in a straight line north. It gets cold. You start seeing polar bears and stuff. And then you find out that you're walking south, right? Because you've gone past the North Pole. And so the beginning of the universe might be of that sort of thing, that if you go backwards in time, you find out you're suddenly going forwards in time. And that's how time can be curved in such a way. That was Stephen, Stephen Hawking's viewpoint, is that the, um, the boundary condition of the universe is that there, there is no boundary, which is a lot more natural, really. On the other hand, there's ways to get around that, too. I mean, um, it could have been that the, we like, <coughs> excuse me, we like to say that the Big Bang uh, came from a, a point of infinite density, but maybe it wasn't completely infinite. I mean, all physicists know that we do not have really theories to describe matter beyond extremely um, extreme conditions. Yeah. So, you know, we know, you know, we can kind of say, we can hypothesize and look at, you know, various possibilities for, for what it might have been before a certain point. 
but we really do have to say nobody knows. And I think you know any good scientist should admit that that there are certain things that are that are not known. So it could have been that there were previous universes that you know collapsed, and then it comes down to a certain point and then re-expands. Right, right. You even call that a different universe? You know, the mind reels. I don't know. Yeah, and there's, I don't know if there would be a way to figure it out anyway, because after everything banged, like you can't see before the bang. Right, right. And in terms of other recent topics, I saw an article talking about sort of the debate, nothing or quantum foam. Can you explain what that is and why is that currently a topic? Well, wait, before we go to that, can we just let our audience know what quantum mechanics is? Can you lay that out for us or like just give people a... Yeah, sure. Um, well, I guess the the basic theory of physics that we had before quantum mechanics was what we would call Newtonian physics. And you know, many people have had a basic course in physics or you know read about it someplace. And so you know we have Newton's laws of physics, like for instance Newton's second law: force equals mass times acceleration. And so it was all um, set up in terms of certain concepts. You know, you have objects, they have a certain mass, you push on them with a certain force, they accelerate at a certain rate. And so, you know, um, we, we, we were trying to explain all the things that we can see around us. Um, you know, objects, famously an apple falling from a tree or something like that. But um, then, you know, around 1900 or so, um, technology increased to the point where we started being able to really look at atoms and really tiny things. And so it turns out that some of the um, some of our basic concepts that we developed in the everyday world with everyday sized things don't seem to really apply as much anymore. So you know, there's wave particle duality, which again, this is this could be an aspect of. of I was just trying to tell yeah. you about that. You were wave particle, <laughs> du- particle duality in me last night, exactly. man. Talking, you know, I got to tell you that um, when when. Physics is kind of made out to be mystical. It isn't. I mean, there are deep philosophical questions yeah. involved. But on the other hand, people tend to, uh, you know, um, to focus on questions like, is it a wave? Is it a particle? Uh-huh. And, the, you know, and the answer is actually pretty simple, that everything is both a wave and a particle. Oh, yeah. You know? And so there's really no paradox or nothing mysterious about it. You know, um, and so what that is, is that, you know, we're used to things that occupy a certain space. Like, you know, this microphone in front of my face is here, but it's not here. And then you look at other things, like, for instance, um, water waves. You're driving around on the lake with your your boat, and the waves are coming up. Well, where exactly is the wave? Well, it's in this whole region, you know. And so, you know, it turns out that basically everything is that way that everything has a wave-like aspect if you look at it closely enough. But most common things, um, you'd have to look at it so closely that there's no, no really, no way to do that. You know, but there's, but there, you know, so you, we do, you know, we, we understand this well now that, um, that everything, you know, electrons, you know, full-sized objects and everything has both wave-like and particle-like aspects. Well, what that means is you have a completely different set of equations that go along with waves than with particles. You know, and it, um, so what we say, though, is that quantum mechanics is a more basic um, um, theory of physics. But, and what that means is it applies not only to little bitty things, but really big things. 
So, you know, you could look at, um, you know, an apple falling from a tree quantum mechanically if you wanted to, but it would be really hard to do, you know. And so it's a lot easier just to say force equals mass times acceleration. Uh-huh. It accelerates downwards at a rate of 9.8 meters per second per second, and hey, we're done, you know. We don't care so much about the individual electrons inside the apple, right. you know, but still it's there. And in theory, one could do that. You know, one could look at it at a very basic level. So, you know, and so, you know, um, when it was first discovered that particles such as electrons have a wave-like nature, then people started saying, well, I guess we need a wave equation. And the first one to really come up with that was was Schrodinger, uh, with the Schrodinger wave equation. Um, And so it says, okay, you got some kind of a wave. You know, what's going to determine what its wavelength is, how, how fast it propagates, and all that sort of thing. And so, you know, the Schrodinger equation, um, you know, answered those questions. But the, the, the remaining question that still remains to this day is, what is the wave function? Interesting. Truth. Yeah. Wow. That's something, yeah, so in terms of making the equation, it, so there is a solidified, I guess, equation to find what just wavelengths of any partic- particular matter? Even though I, I only heard a comma, not a period at the end of that, I'm going to say that it turns out that the Schrodinger equation isn't the final story on that. Um, for instance, we know that it's non-relativistic. It's not accurate for things that are moving close to the speed of light. Gotcha. Yeah. And that we have, for instance, the Dirac equation... Um, you know, is accurate for um, electrons at any speeds. Um, And then you probably have also famously heard about that we're looking for a quantum theory of gravity. So that's another place where at the edges of quantum mechanics, we really don't have a theory. And I'm I'm not up on the latest of that. But yes, I know that we have not completely solved that problem. We don't have a quantum theory of gravity. But... um, Yes. Well, Sweet. This, this is all great information to use because a lot of times when I meet someone new, mm-hmm. I like to talk, you know, if we're talking, where do you go to school and all that, I say Eastern. And when they ask me my major, I did this to my doctor actually over the summer. I say, I, I always tell people I major in quantum mechanics and minor in, <laughs> and minor in calculus. It's uh, a good conversation piece. Because they look at you and they're like, that's totally, I can see that. They'll say, this yeah. is the smartest person I've ever seen and I don't have to deal with like talking to them too much afterwards, you know, because yeah. they're afraid. <laughs> well, I mean, doctor, dentist, random person I meet on the street. It's just kind of a that fun is kind of genius, So now man. I've got a lot more information to use if, because this summer at a party, yes. someone actually else was majoring in, is uh, quantum mechanics actually a major or would it be? It's not a major. Um, it's probably, I mean, as an un, at the undergraduate level, you would be, you could be a physics major and then in graduate school, you could specialize in various aspects of physics. Gotcha. Because she was in something like that. And she was like, oh, does Eastern Illinois have a good quantum mechanics program or whatever? You better she believe asked. it. I was like, oh, yeah. But I was like, you better not ask me anything beyond this. Because <laughs> I, I have no I'm just idea. starting. Yeah. I well, no I can idea. see how that, uh, that tactic would work in most cases. Right. I, it Sean. caught me one time. What a poser, man. <laughs> hey, come, on. come on. You can say anything you want after that. Exactly. Right? Nice. Like, and wow, that's so deep. And the fact yeah. that no one... <laughs> Sean is deep, for the sure. The fact no one questions that it's actually not even a major is perfect off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. but back to the <laughs> yeah. debate of nothing versus quantum foam. Could you explain what quantum foam well, is? Well, certainly, yes. 
Um, even though we do not really have a theory of quantum mechanics, um, it, it, all I can say is it just sort of makes sense that there would be a thing like that. And the reason is, is because we got quantum mechanics on the one hand, we got general relativity, Einstein's theory of gravity on the other hand, and um, you know, we sort of try to put them together. And so, you know, what do we say about those? Well, okay, to finish up the quantum mechanics, not to finish, finish, but to say a bit more about the quantum mechanics thing, you know, one of the interpretations of quantum mechanics is that it um, has to do with probability. Right. And there actually are other interpretations. Um, but so, you know, that sort of different things kind of randomly happen, right? And then in gravity, gen Einstein's theory of general relativity it's all about how um, space and time are, are curved. And so um, we have Einstein's field equation um, that has on the left side of the equation this matrix called G, which tells us how space and time are curved. And on the right side, we have this uh, matrix called T, the stress-energy tensor, that tells us what matter and energy there is. So what's the point of that? Well, um, so basically the idea is that uh, matter and energy uh, cause space and time to curve, and then the curved space-time tells matter how to move. Okay, but to get to the quantum foam, um, so it's all about the geometry. So, you know, for instance, we already talked about if you go north far enough on the surface of the Earth, you find yourself going south, and we know that the surface of the Earth is a curved um, space. Um, you know, for instance, back in the old days, before people used to go around the world, they might not have known whether the Earth has a finite amount of surface area or not. Um, and, you know, the early theories, of, obviously, on that, where you go far enough, you fall off the edge, you know. And yep. then, Took well, Will a while you remember to kick that, that flat Earth theory. I'm glad you I finally... I think I'm still falling, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so... Um, so, anyway... Uh, so, but the, the point is that quantum mechanics, or sorry, general relativity does have with geometry. How, it, and it, you know, I know it's a bit hard, you can, we can easily all imagine two dimensions curved into a third dimension. We live on a planet that's right. like that. And then you might be able to maybe, possibly imagine a third, a three-dimensional space curved into a fourth dimension, maybe. I John, mean, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> How many you know, dimensions are we going? Okay. But then you put in the quantum mechanics part of it, and it's like, you know, all these different possibilities um, sort of all exist simultaneously as, as possibilities. So one example is, uh, we all know that there are three spatial dimensions. You can go east, west, north, south, up, down, right? Yep. And this, you know, it's like incontrovertible. There's no way anybody can really argue with that. And then there's time. And people used to think of time as being a completely different sort of thing from space. But, you know, when we study relativity, you see how they are, you know, they all fit into the same context. Right. And so it really is best to look at the geometry of a four-dimensional space-time. However, why four? Why not five That's or what six I'm or 18 or something? Exactly. And so, you know, if you start looking at, you know, back at Big Bang days when um, quantum gravity had to be an important thing. I mean, quantum gravity isn't that important now. You can you know talk very precisely about how the moon goes around the Earth without having to deal with yeah. quantum gravity. You know, but going back to the Big Bang, you probably would have to think about something like that. And in that case, um, maybe the number of dimensions is uncertain, 
And you'd have, you know, we have here a, a, what we think our universe looks like is a three spatial and one time dimensional universe that right. expanded up from a tiny little point. But there could have been little bits of six dimensional, eight dimensional, you know, 21 dimensional and all that, which sort of pop into existence and then go back out of existence again. And um, I can, you know, I can, I think you might be able to at least, you know, think in, in theory that that sort of thing could happen. But then the other thing that they talk about is that, you know, in the in, uh, space and time look pretty continuous. Mm -hmm. Like in between any two points, there seem to be an infinite number of other points that sure, exist. Yeah. And so they, they talk about the possibility that maybe at the most small, the smallest um, length scales, um, that space and time are not actually continuous, but discrete. And I got to tell you, Whoa. I cannot imagine that. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but I, but I also, I think I've been in physics long enough to know that just because I can't imagine something doesn't mean that it's not actually true. Right. That's all the science. I mean, it's hard to believe for you, Dr. Packy, but yeah. someone like Sean, I could see that. He's like, wait, Taco Bell's got a new Baja yeah. Blast? Yeah. I cannot you know, imagine that. I listen to you guys' old podcast, you know? I mean, you have to, it's man. Like, it's a thing, right? It is a thing, yeah. for yeah. sure. So. Sean loves nine animals. Yeah. Well, yeah, so what I'm understanding from quantum mechanics is, and I'm probably way off, but in a, essentially you're looking at very small stuff linked to, like, mathematics. So you make equations for, like, really small stuff, and... And in a way, that sort of helps you see the bigger picture of things. Is that kind of well, yes some and no. part of it? I mean, for most big things, um, the little stuff doesn't matter. Okay. You know, I mean, it matters in a kind of a mathematical sense in that when you drop the apple from the tree, in theory, you could say, okay, I can follow the motions of all the electrons and protons and neutrons in there and, you know, quantum mechanics right. and all that. You could do that. But it's um, really that doesn't not make all sense. That relevant. Yeah. I mean, I can think of one instance where little things actually did um, affect big things, though, which is um, Einstein and his biggest blunder ever, as he called it, the idea that he had put in the cosmological constant into his equations um, to allow the universe to be static, mm -hmm. and then found out the universe is actually expanding. Yeah. And so he said, okay, we don't need the cosmological constant anymore. He just scrapped it. But it turns out we actually do. do. Ah, right. man. Okay. And so the way that um, that ends up working is, you know, we recently found out, recently, 20 years ago, mm -hmm. about the fact that the universe is not only expanding, but accelerating. Yeah. Um, Hubble's, uh, what's it called? Is that, am I right there? Well, the Hubble law has the equation or whatever. of the universe. Yeah. And so the question is, is it speeding up or slowing right. down? And that was not addressed by the original Hubble thing. Uh, yeah. Because you got to look a lot farther out to find out whether in the far distant past things were moving faster or slower mm -hmm. than, they, than they, they, I mean, they, yeah, okay. So, um, so. Yeah, so the, yeah, I guess more I was thinking like, we're looking at very small stuff in quantum mechanics, but... You know, I had lost my train of thought yeah, for sorry. a moment there. But we were talking about the influence of the small and the big. Right. And so the cosmological constant is related to the fact that... that now, this is a really funny story. I used to teach the astronomy course here. I don't anymore, just because somebody else does. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we had a certain edition of the textbook that came out, uh -huh. right? It <laughs> says, uh, you know, the universe is expanding, but we know it's slowing down. You know, it's just like if you toss a ball in the air, it slows down and then turns around and comes back down. And so that's what's going to happen in the future 
is the universe is expanding now, but it's slowing down. Eventually, it's going to recollapse into a, a big crunch, you know. And then, you know, I, I, I found out it already, but then the next edition of the textbook came out. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, well, actually, Psych? the universe is accelerating. Yeah. And that was on the basis of observations. You know, you get bigger telescopes, Hubble and, you know, James Webb and all that, you know. Um, and so people were able to look out further and find out that there's actually an acceleration going on. So you got to fit that into the context of, you know, the Einstein equations, um, which, which do govern the expansion of the universe. And so you say, what kind of stuff do we have to put into the right side of the equation, the T part that right. has the matter and the energy in it, in order to give this particular solution to the left side, which is the curvature of space-time, which includes expansion and even acceleration of the universe. So, well, there's this stuff. Um, we're going to call it dark energy. Yeah, that's where I thought you were going with that. Dark yeah. energy, oh no. Yeah. Okay. You know, so dark energy, and it turns out that, uh, you know, there's still lots of question marks about it, but what it really does seem to be with is the idea that in quantum mechanics, Empty space isn't really empty because, I mean, you think, what's empty space? Pretty easy to understand, right? Nothing there. John's head. But so that's why we can't <laughs> say that. Man. I'm definitely going to listen yeah, to you. All those God. concussions, man. All those that's concussions. I've, I've had Newton's quite a theory few. of gravity. But Sean hitting the basketball court. <laughs> that's why we can't say there's nothing, right? That's exactly. basically the... Right. There's obviously thing. something up there, right, Sean? <laughs> there might be. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and you know, random is good many times, you know? So um, so the idea is that if you have an empty <laughs> bit of space, it can't be truly empty because there are constantly particles and antiparticles popping into existence and then reannihilating, you know? Yeah. And so even though they, um, they don't exist long enough to kind of hang on to them and make things out of them, um, they do contribute to the mass energy of, of, an, of empty space. And so it can have the effect, and does have the effect, even though, again, this is not really my area of specialty. This is going to be, you know, the big brain, the big brain field theory stuff, right. um, you know, um, that is going to be at the cutting edge of that. But, um, but, the, but, but the feeling is, though, that it is a quantum mechanical effect. So, and the interesting thing about that is that, um, okay, the universe expands, right? So all the galaxies and stars, all the matter, and the dark matter for that matter, okay, I'll bring that up, um, is moving further away from itself as it expands, right? Yeah. So, you know, in the overall universe, the density of regular stuff, matter, light, and even dark matter, is the density that would be decreasing because the universe is getting bigger and there's the same, still the same amount of that stuff. That makes sense. However, the dark energy is not like that. Because as, it op as the universe expands, well, you're getting more and more, more space. Stuff. Yeah. And every bit of space is always going to be, space is space. You right. know, it has a certain, you can look at it as kind of a density of dark matter. Sure. And so um, there was an earlier epoch in the universe in which um, the expansion was actually slowing down because there was more matter and dark energy, dark matter, than, than, than dark energy. Right. And that stuff, matter, we know, attracts and causes the deceleration of the universe. But when it got beyond a certain point, and this has already happened, it's in the past already, some billions of years ago, that um, now the universe as a whole is in the dark energy era. 
which means it expanded so much, now the dark energy is more important than the matter, and it's causing the universe to um, expand. And you know what one might say forever, but you know maybe never say never is the way to go because we've been wrong so many times. I'm with that. Yeah. Nothing lasts forever, Sean. No. Not even this podcast, man. No, sadly. So, well, what is your, what are you interested in? What is your, your specialty? Oh, you know what? I mean, I teach physics. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in like all aspects of physics. Um, and that, you know, it's really true that, you know, you do anything for your whole life and you're going to get into it pretty deeply. Yeah. And so it's, uh, I, I really enjoy just seeing physics in, you know, everyday things and all that. But also, I do like to really think about um, the foundations of, of quantum mechanics. Mm-hmm. So I spent quite a bit of time thinking about that. And um, so, for instance, back in um, 2006, for the 50th anniversary of the Many Worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics, I dived, John was in, there. I dived oh. in there a bit. Nice. And, As a five-year-old. Know, made a nice talk about it and gave it over the physics, gave it a few different places and stuff. You Can know. we YouTube that? 2006. Yeah. No, no. Either yeah. way, continue. Sorry. Right. So, um, so that's what I'm, you know, I mean, I, I, I enjoy learning new aspects of every area of physics. Right. But I, but I'm really interested in the in the in the, in the foundations of it. Yeah, yeah. Are there any specific chapters or units while you teach throughout the year that you look forward to every time? Yeah, <laughs> I just did this in nice. astrophysics class yesterday. Black holes. Oh, <laughs> oh my man. gosh, that, that was what <laughs> oh, I wanted no. to get it was to. Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, it was good fun. Yeah, man, my brain is like a singularity. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's so yeah. dense, man. Can't even be explained by you, Doctor Packy. No. No, so, yeah, how do you tell students that? I mean, the yeah. singularity, right, it's the, it's the center of the black hole, in, in a lack of, for lack of a better word. That's right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. No, what we, what we say that a black hole is, is um, two things. Uh, there's the singularity at its center. Um, and, you know, when we call it a singularity, so the idea is, you know, a bunch of matter starts to compress because of gravity or various, yeah, gravity is basically it. And we think that most normal black holes might have been created at the center of a supernova explosion of a star. And so uh, the densest that actual matter can be is actually in the form of a neutron star, such that if something were denser than that and the size of a, of a, of a star, if it were, you know, that amount of mass, if it were denser than that, then the, uh, the force of gravity would essentially be so great that it would form a black hole. There would right. be no force able to prevent it from collapsing further and kind right. of all the way. Yeah. You know, there are no further forces that can hold it up to keep it you know, from collapsing under the force of gravity. Yeah. And so, you know, collapses down and down and down. And then, you know, people would say, well, you know, it's a singularity because if there's nothing that can pre- prevent it from collapsing further, that means that you've got, that means it's um, this amount of matter, uh, the amount of matter that was in a star, which now is occupying right. a... A mathematical point with zero yeah. dimensions. Yeah. That's the actual definition of singularity right. means it's infinite. Okay. Now that's not really true because you may remember what we said about the Big Bang that beyond a certain point we don't understand the physics. Sure. Yeah. And so it could well be that I mean that would be the center that would be the point at which um, quantum gravity has to take over again. Yeah. It's the very center of, the, of that you know that thing, and so and so we you know no we we 
don't know. Yeah, that's you know, crazy. So it's going to be really, really small. Yeah. And so what I said in Wednesday in, in physics 4100. Hey, shout, shout out. out. Should you decide to become Better an, be an there. astronomy option major? Here we it, go. It's, it, that's astronomy right. Astronomy option is, a, is a one option in the physics major. And you do, you do have to take um, very... Some fairly fairly uh, technical courses, calculus and stuff like that, you know, because we're that ain't no, no problem. Comment. That no ain't no problem. <laughs> it's a it's a sciencey course and all. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So you know, that's what we say is that you know, at the very bottom, we don't really know what's exactly there. It's some, sometimes I might even call it a singularity because it's really close to. Okay, so when you start talking about quantum gravity, um, you know, we we kind of, even though we don't know uh, what the theory of quantum gravity is. We kind of can project down and say, how small does something have to be before our present theories run into trouble? You know, right? And we do that, and you say, oh, the length involved is something called the Planck or Planck lift, uh-huh. Planck P L A N C K. After the science, it's the same name, right? And I'm, you know, off the top of my head, I'm t- I can't quite remember the number. It's like ten to the minus thirty-fifth meters or something. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, okay? It's, it's, it's tiny, unimaginably small, you know, yeah. much, much smaller than the nucleus of an atom or, a, or you know, a neutron or anything. Tiny, anyway, so what we can say is that as, you know, um, you know, the stuff from a star collapsed down to form a black hole, it gets down to that size. Right. After that, all bets are off. We don't know. That's insane. I mean, yeah. the fact, okay, so, Sean, you got matter, right? And they're attracted to each other and stuff like that, like electrons and all that stuff. Wait, is this going to be a joke? Oh, well, boy. Okay, go on. Yeah. It, okay. Is it? And not towards Sean, though, because I'm done picking on him. But yeah, okay. I'm just trying to explain this out yeah, loud. Yeah. So, yeah, everything is charged. They, and then when the density is so big, it, it eventually comes in on itself. But, yeah. like, you're talking about there's – is there really space? And if there's not space, like – you can't have a infinitely small point with that with matter in it, right? This is insane, man. It's turning my mind to a black hole right now. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Okay, so you know, so in physics forty one hundred, um, what we talk, what what we say about what a black hole is is two things: one, the singularity or ex- at least extremely dense thing at the center, and then the event horizon that we usually call the the surface of the black hole. And there's, in a sense, nothing physically there. Right. That's just the point beyond which nothing can return. So you could say it's, you know, a little invisible sign out there in the middle of space saying, abandon all hope, yehu. <laughs> yeah. You know, but the black hole really is those two things. Yeah. It's, um, it's the singularity of the center, which we can't study or anything. Uh-huh. I mean, if you dive in, then, well, you, know, yeah. you might figure it out, but you won't survive. So. Um, and then there's the event horizon, which we call the surface of the black hole. Yeah. And that is where um, the curvature of space-time really comes into it. Because um, you, in particular, you have the concept of uh, time dilation. Oh, boy. Yeah. And um, <laughs> interstellar, right? Yeah, interstellar. it is. There we go. You know what? It's true. Yeah. And that's what's crazy. That's out there. Yeah. Right, Dr. Packy? Yeah. No, yeah. there was a, a, a great... A PBS series that Stephen Hawking hosted um, back before he died, um, and I can't remember the name of the series, but at one point, uh, the whole concept of the series was that he would get normal people um, and kind of guide them to the answers um, to big questions in physics. Right. And so in this particular episode, he had two teams of people, 
and each got like an SUV, and in the back of the SUV was a very highly accurate atomic clock. Sounds accurate. Right? <laughs> right? And so they say, okay, you know, you guys, you're going to just like park your van, to, you know, stay in a motel overnight or whatever. And the other people, uh, they drive theirs up to the top of a mountain, and, you know, they're up there overnight, and then come back down, and punchline, and they get back together. The atomic clocks do not exactly agree. Yeah. And they're not, it's not because of inaccuracy in the atomic clock. It's because of difference in, in uh, the gravitational well, depending on whether you're at the bottom of the mountain or the top of the mountain, and the discrepancy between the two clocks was exactly as predicted by the general theory of relativity. Ah. Now, it's a tiny, tiny little bit, you know. Um, but it fit in exactly with the theories. And so, for instance, if we look at um, objects in space that have very strong gravity, like, for instance, a neutron star, or even more so, a black hole, um, we can see radiation that was given off near those objects. Hawking's radiation. Yeah. Well, that's... Okay. Yes. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, dang. I tried. Pump your brakes. <laughs> oh, man. I'm that's signing actually, up for that class, That's Dr. actually Packing. something else. All right. Okay. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> okay. but it, you know other kinds moving other up. kinds of non-hawking <laughs> radiation. You know they're they're coming out, and we know what uh, frequency this radiation ought to be if there were no such thing as time dilation. But you know radiation, right? It's got a certain frequency. Like visible light um, oscillates at hundreds of trillions of times per second. You know electric and magnetic fields. Right. And so, you know, we, we t detect the radiation coming from the vicinity of a black hole or a neutron star. And we find out that it's way what we call redshifted. The frequency is way lower than it ought to be. And that could be like a 30% effect or something uh, from a neutron star. So it's really noticeable. It's not like, you know, the 14th digit from an right. atomic clock. And this just to, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. this is just for... Man, redshift is kind of just figuring out distances, right, sometimes, or with stars and stuff like that? or is there? Um, one can use the redshift. That's how Hubble discovered the expansion of the universe, is um, looking at stars, uh, galaxies that are far, far away, and um, noticing that the light from them was redshifted, which means a lower frequency. And that particular kind of redshift become, become, is mainly because of the velocity of the things moving away from us. Uh, so there's a couple different ways that things oh, get yeah. redshifted. One is by velocity, and one is by gravity. And so it turns out that light coming from very, 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 very distant galaxies is um, um, under the influence of both of those kinds of redshift: yeah. the velocity kind, basically, and the gravity kind. You know, and so, um, but so for a neutron star, it might be I don't know thirty percent or something like that. But from a black hole, it is infinite. Whoa! Um, and this is something that really is infinite. In the sense that, um, you know, so what would that mean? So, you know, okay, we're going to take a trip to a black hole, you know, and I'll stay in the ship that, like, orbits around. We'll send know. me and Sean out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Do yeah. a podcast. <laughs> do a podcast you know, maybe, on the random. You know, but since you're doing a podcast, maybe one of you is going to stay in the ship orbiting around the black hole. One of you is going to say, okay, I'm going to dive on in there. <laughs> I uh, love this idea. I volunteer. Yeah, yeah all right, sick. Go. Yeah. You know, so Sean dives in. And, um, <laughs> You know, Bring the mic with me, tell you what I see in there. So if I were Stephen Hawking and we had a really long podcast, you know, <laughs> I would say, well, what does this mean that there's an infinite time dilation from the surface of a neutron star? And maybe you don't have enough information at that point to really answer it. But the answer is, from our perspective, watching Sean 
we would see him approaching the surface of the black hole, but slowing down and slowing down and slowing down and never getting there. Oh. Because that's what infinite time dilation means. Ah, yeah. It takes an infinite amount right. of time for him to get there. Mm. However, unfortunately, from your perspective, you would have um, fallen into the black hole and been crushed at the singularity ah. at the center, um, thereby slightly increasing the mass of the black hole. So, you know. Oh, yeah. that's insane. So Stay on the outside. Yeah. Continue right. the podcast. Man, we're going to have to find another Sean now. I but know. The show. <laughs> and then from your oh, yeah. perspective, time would not be slowed down. Yeah. Right. In fact, be crushed oh, in okay. a millisecond or less. Yeah. So let me, this, I, can I, like, so the, how we observe it, he's just stuck there at the, yeah. by the event horizon, but he's already I'm gone. Done. Yeah. Sean, yeah. In, a, in a sense. In a, yeah. The thing is, you know, appears to be, so this is the thing about general relativity. It is very basic in the sense that um, both perspectives on time are equally true and equally valid. So this is an example about how modern physics really challenges our everyday impressions of reality and how things work. Because now, you know, if my clock and your clock doesn't agree, you're saying your clock is wrong, you know, or whatever. But it's really not like that, and time itself really does run at different rates for different people, and one of them isn't more correct than the other. And that's... It is pretty wild. So when I'm late to class yeah, and I'm like, alert. time is a construct, he's professor. time. Yeah. I want to get back to that show real quick, the Stephen Hawking show. Yeah, like, yeah. What qualified the people to be the normal people? Was it like, yo, I'm Jeff from Denver. Stephen Hawking is going to blow my mind. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> talk to their producers, I guess, you know? I mean... Yeah, that's a great question, Sean. Yeah. It's basically like this podcast is we're the normal yeah. people, teach yeah. us something, and... Wow. Is that how we're thinking of ourselves now, normal people? Well, in all humbleness. <laughs> no, sure. but you know, people should look that up. I can't remember the, show the name called? of it. Oh, I no, do not no, remember no. the name of it, but Stephen Hawking, PBS, science yeah. show. It'll be you do email. that, Sean, and you'll be watching videos for like three days straight, just yeah. going down that wormhole, man. And I don't know if it was all that good. I, that, ep that one episode is extreme. I thought it was really good because of the fact that everybody can relate to that. You can right. see yourself doing this, yeah. being on the truck with the clock and a quay. You have to... Trust some scientist that the clock is actually accurate enough, yeah. you know, for that. But yeah, I've watched some great stuff along those lines. There's a new one on Netflix called Infinity or something to do with infinity, and they talk sort of what you were hinting at earlier, where you know if there's points on a circle and you keep zooming in on those points, like it's it's infinite, right? Yeah. So it's like think about that, Sean. Like your Baja Blast, right? <laughs> yeah. You go around the surface, man, and then you drink it. It's Always going to be there. Yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, there, there's a... Now I understand. <laughs> possibly even older series, The Elegant Universe by Green. What was his first name? Anyway, that was, that was you know, in terms of, that gets more yeah. quantum mechanical string theory aspect of things. Right. I'm not very deeply into all that, but it's, I mean, in the sense of understanding it very okay. well, but that's, that was another one. Sure. Some of the science popularizations are pretty good. So. I mean, if we started talking about string theory... We yeah we'd all be late to our next appointments. Yep. Probably yep. shouldn't do that. Yeah, and I can't go that far into that anyway. So that's, that's all right. What well, I want to know, mm -hmm. sorry, Will, and what I think we all want to know is why did Neil Armstrong not take the five thousand and put his hand on the Bible and swear that he walked on the moon? <laughs> why didn't I, I didn't even know this was a thing, Baggy? dude? What? Yeah, you know, I've never heard this. I've never heard it. Yeah. There's a video. Some, Someone came up. Is this to more him. of your Q and on stuff, dude? No. <laughs> someone walked up to him and said, "Put your hand on the Bible," and for five thousand, he's probably like, "I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. Get out of my face." That's well, what I would said. I actually didn't know until recently because an NFL player, A.J. Brown on the Eagles, he's been 
for some reason, tweeting a bunch recently and then deleting right away. Mm. But he was like, it took me 20 years to realize why we didn't go back to the moon and now I know why. And then he deleted nice. it. But that's genius actually. I'm gonna start doing that. Why do you why why do you think people have those theories? And why do we not go back? And why didn't <laughs> well, Neil Armstrong we are going back. The body? Interestingly enough, this is kind of related to physics. Yeah. Nice. Okay, here we go. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Yeah. Well okay, you know, first of all, I mean not having to do with physics at all is you know people say, I think correctly, that it would be a whole lot harder to maintain a conspiracy theory like that than it would be to actually go to the moon. <laughs> yeah, how hard is it to go to the moon, for crying out loud? <laughs> it's not that hard. I mean, the hard part is Next having podcast. people survive, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. You know, there's that. But another thing that's come out of, you know, somebody's going to slam me for saying it came out of physics, but is um, complexity theory. Um, and, you know, early, you know, Coming up, like, you know, to go too far back in history, but, you know, so I guess to make a physics connection, you know, we look at sort of nonlinear physics and very complicated things that can come out of very simple laws of motion and that sort of thing. And where am I going with this? Well, again, we only do with you. one uh, podcast, but, um, you know, these days, many physicists have been able to study um, the flow of other things other than matter and energy. For instance, the flow of information. And you can nice. study things like... Or money, you know, money is just a concept. Yeah, really. that's what. Yeah, I mean, does it really exist? That's what Bitcoin, I'm saying, et cetera, Blah blah blah. And so, you know, complexity theory and um, systems theory and that sort of thing is is a huge, very important area these days. Mm-hmm. And so, you can look at these things. People do modeling of, for instance, you know, what's happened. Well, the internet was invented, and so you know, you can look at it in an almost physicy sort of way, in the sense that suddenly you have the ability for information to flow, you know, much more than it ever before. And so, you know, people can actually study these things and say what sort of things are likely to happen in a situation like this. And, you know, there have always been conspiracy theories, but one can see how um, they might end up having more influence in uh, the modern Internet-connected world than they would have back in the old days. And... um, and you know it's 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 you know it's really similar. <laughs> I gotta tie some physics in. I here, love where right? this is going, man. You know, Keep like going. you take some uh, liquid water, you put it in the freezer, it freezes. It goes through like a little a phase transition, turns from liquid to solid water. Well, you you have you know similar events occurring in any kind of a complex system. You might have, for instance, a stock market crash, and you don't really need to look at the exact causes of the stock market crash. I mean, you can look at the factors that made it susceptible to a stock market crash. Herbert Hoover. You know, and then, you know, and so, you know, the information sphere can be a very similar kind of thing where you, you, know, you say, okay, and then there, of course, there are going to be foreign adversaries who want to spread misinformation um, and because this is completely predictable. And, you know, you look at it and say, well, because of the technical, because of the information, um, you know, the ecosystem. Yeah. It is an ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually I'm going off into there. This, you know, aspects of biological sciences really comes into it very, very well. Right. You know, I mean, you look at a biological ecosystem and you have, um, you know, numbers of different species and how they interact. And Not animals. That sort of thing. <laughs> and it really carries over exactly, in a lot of cases, into looking at things like information, you know, where um, ideas... Um, could be 
similar to species of animals. They interact, certain ones become dominant at a certain time and all that sort of thing. I love it. Yeah. And I never thought about the flow of information in terms of really physics, but that's kind of a thing too, like along the lines of, you know, 5G just come, coming out a few years ago and just the actual transport of it, like is there an end to how fast we can get it? And, and does that have anything to do with what? Well, yeah, sure. And, you know, I mean, after a while, it just becomes a matter of, you know, it doesn't matter if it gets any faster because human brain can only absorb True, yeah. Except for mine. You know, there's a little chat bot GPT and all that. John know, loves so. it. Yeah. That is crazy. I mean, yeah. you're right. I didn't think about that. Yeah. How fast do we need it? Yeah. 60? Well, we need. Is a, True. I mean, but I don't even think we should think about it in terms of need. I mean, you can think about it as if you're, you start thinking about it in terms of laws of nature, you start thinking of these things as sort of naturally occurring independent of what uh, anybody wants to happen. Yeah. I say at some point, Dr. Packy, we bring you back, A.J. Brown from the Eagles. We'll get him on here. Yeah. And he can talk about all his crazy different yeah. theories. Dude, it's like Dr. Packy says, clickbait, man. You're it falling, you're uh, falling uh, to it. I mean, you know, to have a mistrust of authority is a healthy aspect of society. Truth. But on the other hand, you know, certain things, it's like, no, you don't want to go there. You it's also crazy. need a society it's to be able life. to live comfortably. You need a society, yeah, don't you? Yeah, you do. So you can't always be attacking it, Sean. Hey, right. I'm not saying I agree with him, but the but question I do. needs to be asked. <laughs> but I have one more question. Okay, 5000 bucks. I mean, you know... What does Neil Armstrong say about this? Yeah. Neil what did he say, Sean? Okay. He refused to swear that he walked on the moon. Yeah. That's all but why saying. did he? And first of all, is the whole story even true? Did he? Did that even happen? Probably oh yeah, not. no. It's a it's a video. You verified this? It's yeah. a video, I dude. Can, <laughs> I can show you tons of deep fake videos. Yeah, it could be a deep fake video. video. But in any case, you know, one can think of reasons why Neil Armstrong might have exactly. refused five thousand bucks. Like, no, I'm not going there. Yeah. I'm not in entertaining this That's what craziness. I'm the answer might be not that he didn't go to the moon, but that he just doesn't want to go along with this person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Missed opportunity. Get with it, Sean. Man, you'd be listening to too much Joe Besides Rogan. Besides that, what would be the point of it? Okay, the five thousand bucks, maybe. <laughs> But then, if that happened, the person's not going to believe him. They would say, you're lying. He did it right? for the money, yeah. obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a stupid experiment to start with because, <laughs> obviously, Neil Love Strong it. had to have been in on it the entire time. So why would he suddenly change his mind for 5000 bucks? It makes no sense. <laughs> it's well, like he's I'm challenging everything the guy's done in his whole life. With five thousand bucks, he's not just going to be like now ten thousand maybe. 5, yeah, no ten thousand. I mean, are we talking about back in the seventies? We're talking now because yeah, yeah. Step it up, man. That's right. You know, five thousand back then is a lot of money exactly. these days. Exactly. Buy yourself a car. Or exactly. Yeah. I guess so still can. my last question is: in talking about the moon's effect on the Earth, we all know it influences the ocean tide. Yes. And so, a scientist, Matthew Siegler, said, in terms of the moon. And the tide, you wouldn't entirely ruin surfing as a sport, but surfing would suck. So, <laughs> my question is what little changes or big changes would basically the moon disappearing have on us that we might not know about? Well, I'm sure there's nothing more important than the effect on surfing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I can't exactly. catch big waves yeah. anymore, is what no, you're saying. Seriously, I mean, that's kind of a thing, you know. Like, Definitely. Especially in central that, Illinois. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would say that it's not a coincidence that the female menstrual cycle is a month, which is the, the period of, of which the moon goes around. Um, I mean, there are, and this is another aspect of complexity theory and all that sort of thing. Like, for instance, the, um, 
circadian rhythm. Yeah. You know, like you wake up and sleep on a 24-hour cycle because of the moon. Why I wish mine was a rhythm, doctor. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you know. And I, so, yeah. you know, I mean, Sorry. it's... Um, yeah, so that's a whole. That's another thing. So we're that's for not next gonna, time. We're, yeah, yeah we're just not going to talk. Yeah, we're about not going to go there. That, yeah, but nice try, Sean. Yeah. So, but yeah. I can't think of anything else. No, nothing. Um, that's all right. I mean, with the moon, it's kind of cool, right? You know, exactly. I mean, everybody looks at it. They wonder. They. It started your fascination with. It did indeed. And here we are. I know. I'm I mean, so glad we got the moon. I, have a, I, I, I love the moon. I do like know? the it's moon. My favorite minor planet. I don't believe it's real, it's but I love it. Yeah, yeah. Minor planet? No, it's not a minor planet. Yeah. Okay. Edit that part out, would you? I'll do that. Yeah. yeah. Pluto also, <laughs> not a planet. Got it. Pluto. Bring it back. Pluto was a planet. Bring it back. Anymore. I yeah. know. Pluto. It's a cute name. I miss Pluto. Yeah. Bring it back. Mm, those were the days. Well, yeah. I guess we'll start tying it off here. Tying it up. What, what's the word for it, Sean? Probably. But tying it off would be a medical terminology. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. But either way, I guess we got one more. Maybe maybe we'll fit in one one more or two more questions. But I think wrapping it up is what you were looking for. Yeah, that, oh, goodness, you thank go. you, yeah. <laughs> Usually, but I mean, it's been a blast, Dr. Packy. I gotta say. I've had fun. And uh, thank you. it's been a big blast, you might say. Wait, a Baja a big, a big bang. bang. Oh, oh A big Baja blast bang. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about changing the name to the big blast. We there can you go. serious, you know? With Sean. Vote on it, go on. The big well, blast with yeah, Sean. Maybe yeah, we'll I put like a it. poll up on the Instagram or something. Let's go. Maybe or maybe not. Depends. <laughs> well, I could go on forever about this stuff, but we have one one theme on this. Wait, we already talked about nine animals, didn't we? Yeah. You so we got nothing. There. We have one theme and we covered it. So well, I wanted to know, is in fact Sean real? Because I heard that our universe might be a hologram. Yeah. And this might be a better yeah. topic for my psychiatrist, but like, is he real? <laughs> well, I, I believe so. We shook hands. Yeah, I, I do believe so. We did. You know. However, as I was discussing earlier, um, you know, the, the examination of the very basics of physics does crawl, call into question some of our most basic concepts. And reality, in fact, is one of those that should be examined. Um, for instance, um, you know, we know that nothing can travel faster than the speed of light. And yes, okay, I know you can edit five minutes out, can't you? Yes. You know, and so, for instance, there are you know galaxies that are outside of what we would call our light cone, which means they are so far away that we can never observe them. So how do I know they're there? Uh. Well, the other possibility is there's just like some kind of invisible line in space that inside of which you got like you know planets and galaxies and things, and outside nothing. Yeah, you know, and that doesn't make sense. Right. So therefore, I would say that the galaxies that are outside of our light cone are real even though, even in theory, we can't observe them. And in this, by the same token, in quantum mechanics, for instance, we do have the many-worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics. Yeah. And, um, you know, very smart people disagree about it. And the reason for that is that it's a philosophical question at right. base, which is, um, what, do we, what do we define to be real? And that's actually a decent question. I mean, if you say unicorns, I'm going to say, no, not real. Right. I mean, you can, like, look around and see horses and cows and things, but really no unicorns. But um, as for, you know, the other universes in the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics, um, there's no good reason to think of them as being unreal in the same way that galaxies outside the light cone shouldn't be thought of being a different nature uh -huh. than those that we actually can see. Okay. And there are many, many advantages to just expanding our definition of real to include 
those other possibilities. It answers the most, most fundamental questions, which is, why did we do this at 11 o'clock on Friday instead of 3 o'clock on Monday? And the answer is there is a universe in which we are, in fact, doing this at 3 o'clock on Monday. And it is equally real. It's just that the versions of us that are in this world um, observe this one. Yeah. But, in, but in conclusion, I would like to say that I do believe that Sean is real. Hmm. Thank you. Yes, It's hmm. model-dependent realism, but I think, I, I hey. think the model in which both of you, real. all of us, are real really works the best of all. Okay, so that's the way you look at it. Yes. I'm going with he's not, but th- I, I see what you're saying. Just yeah. like a light cone outside our galaxy, Will. Yeah, well, I'm real. It depends where you draw You draw the line on your own reality, I guess, Sean, is the, is the moral of the story. It is yeah, up to you. right? Crazy, man. All right. Well, once again, Dr. Packy, thank yeah. you so much. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure, man. Okay. I Everybody so stay tuned for next episode and got a great special guest next week. Yeah, you better stay tuned. It's going to be crazy. Thank you, Dr. Packy. Thank you. Peace. Bye-bye.